This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. There's many things to talk about in Pashat Yishlach. There's Dina, and there's the famous fight, which we're going to really spend some time on tonight. The famous fight of Yaakov Avinu and the Malach of Esau. But before we get to that, I'd like to read you a little short story um, that's written in Pasha Parables on Pasha Yishlach. And then I'll explain to you why I'm reading the story. By the way, very big Mazel Tov to all of us tonight. Very big Mazel Tov. Baruch Hashem. Very, very big Kiddush Hashem today. The New York Senate, which was voting about legalizing gay marriage, Baruch Hashem voted against it. So, with a, uh, with a vote of 38 to 24, so I'd like to say grace and Yishkoyach that all 30 Republicans on the New York State Senate, all 30 Republicans voted against it. Baruch Hashem. So that's, that's, that's very good. You're laughing. But Chas V'Shalom had this been voted for um, gay marriage, which the House, the New York State House voted for. So if the Senate would have voted for, you, uh, I don't want to say Yimach Shemoy, but our, uh, our governor, Mr. Patterson, said that he would have signed it into law, that, that gays could get married. And if you remember, we learned the Medrash Rabbah in Pashas Noach that Hashem destroyed the world when when men, when men were giving other men ksuvos. So we were very close to the end of the world, just to vote away. And I, I'm telling you that I would have gotten up here tonight and told everyone to get out of New York State um, if it would have been voted yes. Baruch Hashem, it was, um, it was voted against. And um, our lovely Mr. Bloomberg, who's the uh, mayor of our city, was very, very, very upset because he really wanted them to vote yes. So I don't know why all these people hug him and take pictures with him and put pictures up on their walls if he is a, a, a person who's in favor. But Te'evas Hashem, Chas V'Shalom, yeah, Mr. Bloomberg, very upset that the Senate voted. But Baruch Hashem, you can mamish go home and you can, you can, you can, you can make a l'chaim to yourself because, because it's a very big thing that, we, that, that, that New York State, where we have so many yeshivas and, and this is where we are, that Baruch Hashem, at least we're still still in the ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that at least our Senate got up and, and blocked it, and they can't, it can't pass this year. It's done. It's finished. Over. They can't get married legally. Now, there's some people in this room that might feel, oh, you know, Rabbi Wallstein, what's wrong with you, you know? You have to, you know, live and let live. Not when it comes to God, girls. When God says it's a te'eva, it's a te'eva. It's not up to you. And we're going to talk about it tonight. It's not up to you to make a decision that you have to let people do what they want. And no, there's no decisions. Hashem says it's a te'eva, it's a teva. You want to be a liberal. You want to believe in that stuff. You, you're going against the Kodesh Baruch Hu. There's certain things, there's certain lines we don't cross. That's one of the lines we don't cross. Baruch Hashem. That, uh, and now New Jersey doesn't want to even go to vote because they figure they're going to lose also. So Baruch Hashem, Lakewood can stay where it is. They don't have to run to Eretz Yisrael. They want to Lakewood. Maybe they should anyway. But it's a very big thing. You're sitting here, you don't understand. It's a very big thing. It's a big thing in Shemayim. That at least the place that we live are saying, no, no to gay marriages. Baruch Hashem. Yes, it's pretty amazing because everyone thought that it was going to go the other way. But I want you to know that the Aguda, the Aguda sent out emails to everybody, all the Balabat, and they should call the senators, their senators, that when, that when they, the state senators vote, they should vote against it. So there were a lot of people that called this morning or yesterday morning, called Mamashir senators to please vote against it. It's not, it wasn't a Pashtun thing. It's Kenegat Klaistral. It's Kenegat Artair. It's Kenegat Akash Baruch. Anyway, it's Baruch Hashem. Mazatav. I have something good to announce. Somebody told me, he called me, he said, I listened to your shiurim. He said, yesterday I knew they were going to vote. He says, I was ready to buy my ticket to get out of here. 
He says, I don't really want to get out of here, but after what you said, and we, we learned it by Pasha's Nayach. It was very clear that Hashem said, if you, it's one thing you do something wrong, you know you're doing something wrong, but when, when the place that you live makes it legal for a man to give a ksuba to another man, finito. So, Baruch Hashem, it's not finito. Okay, interesting. New York and California both vote against it. The two states that everyone thinks that are right. Yeah, Baruch Hashem. There are a lot of Jews in both states and, and whatever. The two states that everyone thought would go the wrong way went the right way. New Hampshire and Connecticut, nah, never. Okay. That's why this year we're not making our Shabbaton in Connecticut. We're making it in New Jersey, right? We're making New Jersey, I think. Whatever. We'll talk about the Shabbaton. We're not up to that. All right. Anyway, this week, Pashba Yishlach, very interesting story. Says that um, it says that Yaakov Avinu he went and he made houses for his family and he made huts and like barns for his animals and he called this place Sukkos. That's what he called it. He built a town and he called it Sukkos. And the question is, why did he call it Sukkos? Right? Because what a Sukkah is is, a, is a, not a permanent. Dwelling, it's a non-permanent dwelling. That's what he made when he made the barns for the animals. So why do he call it Sukkos? It sounds like he's naming the town after the barns that he made for the animals. Why would you name a town after the barns that you make for an animal? Okay. So he answers like this, very nice. So, so um, he says a story like this. In the northern part of Israel, there's a yeshiva called Kfar Hasidim. I've been to Kfar Hasidim. And the mashgiach of Kfar Hasidim his name was Reb Elio Lapian. Reb Elio Lapian wrote many svarim on, on Musa. And he was a very, very famous. He was the Magid of Yerushalayim's Rebbe. And he was a very, very famous um, uh, Baal Musa. And this, in, 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 in this yeshiva, in Krach Hasidim, they had a very big yeshiva, but they also had, in their basement, they had terrible, terrible problem with rats. And mice. Rats and mice. They were eating up all the guys' foods. All the flour and the sugar that was in the basement, the rats and the mice were eating. So what did they do? They went out and they found a stray black cat. Cat. They figured, you know, a cat eats the mice. And every day it would play in the yard and every evening they would take the cat and bring it to the basement. And it took about a year and this cat ate every single mouse and every rat. And all of a sudden there was no more problems with rats and mice. And the food in the basement was staying whole. One evening, now you take a story. And that's it. So they, they got rid of the mice. You forget about the cat, right? One evening, the cat was scratching on the screen door of the mashgiach, he was puzzled. He didn't know that Yeshiva had a cat. So he called one of the young boys. He said, what's this cat scratching on my door? So he said, oh, we brought this cat in because we had a problem in the yeshiva in the basement with mice. So we brought the cat in, and uh, the cat took care of the problem. So Rav said, that's very nice, but since he took care of the problem, how's he been eating? No more mice. So they said, uh, he shrugged. He said, I don't know. I don't know what he's eating. We don't know, but he took care of the mice. So Rav Elulapian said, you have been lax in your responsibility and gratitude. You don't have a curse of he said, I will teach you how to feed a cat. Now, you don't know who Ravilla Lapian was, Leila Leo, right? It was like, oh, like a Malach Hashem. And he's going to teach the yeshiva how to feed a cat. So he went, he was in his 80s. He went into his kitchen. He poured milk into a saucer and placed it down for the cat. 
And Abel Lapian taught the kids in the yeshiva that the cat did you a favor and now it has no more food because it ate all the mice. So you got to take care of it. You got to feed it every day. You got to give it a bowl of milk. So it says that there was a boy named Kavinsky who has a, who took this picture. And he says it's a very famous picture of this white bearded Torah giant bending down and feeding a cat. And, and, and he was trying to teach them the most important thing of a Jew is having a karasatov. Is, is appreciating when someone does something for you is showing appreciation. Okay. So therefore the Arachayim says that why did Yaakov name this town Sukkos after the, the barns that he made for the animals because he wanted to teach us that he, the Hakar Satov that he had for the animals. He said, what are these animals? What do I have animals for? They give me milk. They give me wool. They give me meat. He says, so I want to name this town after the Sukkos that I, that I want to show my children that I had Hakar Satov. Most people, as you come in, you're in the desert, you build yourself a house. The animals, go stray. Go, go find yourself food. It's not my problem. Yaakovino said, no, I want my children to understand that that wasn't enough, that I wanted to, that I, the first thing I made sure is that my animals who are giving me stuff, right, that I'm going to take care of them. So I want you to know that I didn't just let them go astray. I actually made sukkahs, I made houses for them to be able to be protected from the weather. And that's what he wanted us to learn. He wanted us to learn Akarasatov. Which brings me to my next subject. And I'm chas v'shalom, not talking to anybody in this room, unless I'm talking to you. Which you'll understand. But I'm talking to the people who are watching on Torah anytime, and I'm talking to the people who are listening on Kalalashi. So, Ornava is a place where people come to learn, people come to eat, there's a share every night, there's yoga, there's dancing, there's a lot of things that we do. And we try to do as much as we can for everybody. There's one thing about this organization which we haven't been able to figure out since day one. Every organization has hundreds sometimes thousands of volunteers. They ask for help. They have to turn away. Camp Simcha has room for a certain amount of people to be counselors, girls division. They have 5,000 too many girls that want to work for them, to help them. And you have to have connections to get in. Or Nava, for some reason, I don't know why, can get no volunteers. Never. For anything. There are a few. There's a handful. Always the same ones, and they're always there. But overall, we send out emails, 3,600 emails, we get no return. We make phone calls, we get nothing. I get up here and make announcements, we get nothing. Nobody shows up. Nobody shows up. So in the beginning, everyone said to me, yeah, because you guys do everything. Everybody thinks you don't need help. You have your friends, they raise the money, you don't need us. So the girls were complaining that we have a feeling Ornava doesn't need us. So, okay, maybe you're right. But then we lost all our sponsors, and we lost all our money, and we didn't have any money, and we asked girls to give us our mice money, and we asked girls to help us out. Nothing. So now, we decided we can't make a dinner, because a dinner is for people who can give $180, $360 for a page in the journal. My girls can't give $360 for a page in the journal. It's not fair. Not fair to ask a girl to come up with $360 to get a seat at a dinner. So we said, forget the dinner. Forget the dinner. We're going to make a Chinese auction. Chinese auction, $5, $10, $18. Every single woman, every single girl in Arnava can spend $10. So we're going to be crazy successful. 3,000 women times $10. Before you start, if they only put $10, it's $30,000. It's more than we made on our dinner. Amazing. We're all excited. 
So we sent out books to everybody, and we sent out emails that we need help. We need to make phone calls. We need to call people and tell them that we're making a Chinese auction. We don't have a staff. Rabbi Wallstein, Avivit, and Elisheva, three people. We used to have a staff of seven people. We don't have money. We have a staff of three people. I don't have time to prepare for a shear and to give you what you need because I'm busy trying to raise money to pay the rent and to pay other things. So, Tavivit, Ami, and Elisheva. So we reached out this time and we said, we need help. I saw the emails. Not one girl last night. Yes, actually one girl yesterday afternoon. One girl volunteered. One girl from 3600 showed up in the office. I'm, I said, I'm not talking to everybody. <laughs> I'm talking to the people who got the email and ignored it. One person. The night before, two people. Two people? One person? What are we asking for? To make some phone calls? Nobody reacts on the books. We send them out. We give them out. $10? $25? Some interest? How can I help you? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not giving you Musa for me because if you don't do this for an hour, then you can do it for your husband, you can do it for your kids, you can do it for anybody. The person who doesn't have a karsa tov doesn't have a karsa tov. Yaakov Avinu had a karsa tov for his animals. He called it sukkos because he had a karsa tov for the wool that he gets from his animal. And we can't get a volunteer to save our life. No volunteers. Nobody made phone calls yesterday. Nobody made phone calls. It's a joke in our office. We're like, we're waiting for someone to ring the bell. One girl, two girls, four girls. One night we had Nayudik, 13 girls. So I'm telling you that the, that the, the Mitzvah Hashem, this, this Chinese auction is on Wednesday night. We need your help. We need to make phone calls. We need to ask people to help us. We need your help. So don't say, Rabbi Watson, you didn't ask us. We don't know. I'm telling you. We need your help. We need you to take this book home. Spend $10, spend $100, spend $50. It's not for me. Rabbi Wallstein doesn't get paid. I put a lot of money into Onava. I don't get paid. You're not giving me money. You're giving you money. It's just coming right back. I don't have any children working for me. I'm not building an organization that my wife's going to work and my daughter's going to work. And I'm going to have a secretary that's going to be my nephew and my niece. There's nobody. This is not for me. This is for you. The organization is for you. We need your help. And I know that everybody's busy. I'm not saying that you're not busy. But to make phone calls for an hour or two, or to take your book home, we're, we're, we're sitting here four days before a Chinese auction. We have no orders from the girls of Ornava. I have, I have orders from people in Texas, and in, in Chicago, and in L.A., but nothing from New York. So I'm begging you, I'm asking you, I'm begging you to please, after, after we leave, go to Avivit and tell her, when you need me, here's my address, here's my phone number. I'm ready to help you. I think tomorrow night we need to make a lot of calls. And Sunday, we need, we need, we need Sunday. My office should be full of people making phone calls so that we can pay the bills, so that we can keep this place open. This place has opened Chicago. It has opened LA. It has opened Miami. It's, 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 it's a beautiful thing. And I don't want anyone to say, oh, you see, I knew this was going to happen. I don't want to come back here anymore. He's asking me for money. Five dollars. Five dollars. If that's all you can spend, five dollars. You can win crazy stuff for five dollars. Okay, fifty dollars costs you to get the horse. But five dollars, you can win some great stuff. We, what? 
And it's, they know that it's my money. And it's totally my money because it, there's no one that gets off the top. There's no, you give 50 and 20% goes to the guy who's, it goes straight into our novel. We, we don't take anything. I have one girl working for me in the office, Avivit. She's Baruch Hashem expecting. She can't do it anymore. She can't do it anymore. She can't. She can't do it herself. I'm telling you, she can't do it herself. She can't do it. Elisheva works all the, all the graphics. She's not even in the office. So I have one girl, and she's sitting there today, and she's looking at me, and I'm like, she's like, I can't, I, I can't do this. I'm one person. There was one other girl, Baruch Hashem, that came. It's one person. That means that you don't understand. You don't understand. No, I called up about the date of what's going on each night. This is not right, a private one-on-one discussion. This is not a one-on-one discussion. This is a general discussion. I'm not saying this girl, why you, why you. I don't know who knows and didn't do and who doesn't know. I'm coming in front and I'm telling you that Ornava needs your help. We need our girls' help. I can't ask other people who have nothing to do with us to help us if I can't ask my own people. We need your help. I'm not in bad, you know, I used to be a big shot and I'm not going to tell you that I need your help. And I'm about Gaiva and Ron Wallstein never asked me for help. I am lowering myself and I'm telling you we need your help. Every single girl in this room and every single girl that's not in this room and everyone who's watching at home on Friday when they're making the cholent, it's very nice you make the cholent and you watch me. But send some children this way. You know what I mean? <laughs> help us out. You got to help us out. So I'm just asking everyone. We're at the point that we mamish, We need everybody's help. I'm not making a dinner specifically because I want the girls to be involved. We're going to make a Shabbaton. We want to make a Shabbaton. We're going to do it a little differently. We're going to try to make it cheaper. We're going to try to save money. We're doing whatever we can. We want to make a Shabbaton. We want everyone to be there on a Shabbaton. I can't do it alone. Two people can't make a Shabbaton. We have no staff. We have no staff, so we need your help. Okay. Now they're all saying, oh, shouldn't have come tonight. Look at that. Uh, should have stayed home. All the ones that are watching Torah anytime, they're not, they're not getting this. I have no tightness to anybody. I'm just putting it out there that if you could help us, you should help us. That's all. If Yaakov Avinu called it after the, after the animals, I think that we have to learn from this. And this is this week's Pasha, not Karasa Enough said. I'm not going to speak about it again. Okay. Now, this week's Pasha was a big fight. A huge, huge fight. And this fight was between... Yaakov Avinu and Esau's Malach. Now it's very interesting because if you look at what happened over here, it says like this. By Yavaser Yaakov Levado, Yaakov was left alone by himself. By Yavik Ish Imo, and a man fought with him. Adaloisa Shachar until the morning star came up. Says Rashi, wasn't a man. Rashi says it was a Malach. Saroy Shal It was the Malach of Esau. So the question is, why does the Torah call him an ish? Why does the Torah call him a man? If he's a malach, we know in the beginning of the Pasha, by Yishlach Yaakov Malachim, says Rashi, Malachim Mamish, that he sent angels. So if this was an angel, why don't you say, Yaakov was fighting with an angel? Why are you saying that Yaakov, by Yavik, Ish Imoy, and Allah Shachar, he was fighting with a man. He wasn't fighting with a man. He was fighting with an angel. Question number one. Question number two, why does he use the Lashin, by Yavik? Vayavik doesn't mean to fight. Vayavik comes from the word avak. Avak means dust. Avak is dust. So what do you mean vayavik? There was dust between them? So, so the, so the Chazal say, and, and the Zaya says, that from their struggle, a dust went up till the Kisei Kavod, and, and this dust went all the way up to Shemayim. But why are you using the word? Why are you using the word? And, and there was a dust, and there was a struggle. Use the word that they were fighting! It was a fight. Why are you using the word by It's a question which we're going to answer. Okay. 
And the Malach saw that he could not beat Yaakov Avinu. He hit him in his groin, in his Gidhanasha. But take a Kaf Yerach Yaakov, and he dislocated Yaakov's thigh. The Ofka Imoy, again the word Avak, Avak. Again the word Avak. Not a fight, but Avak, a dust. Again the same question. And the Malach said, Shalachani, let me go. Send me. Ki Allah Hashachar. Because the morning star came up. So the morning star came up. That's why I should send you. We're fighting a whole night. Until we finish this fight. I'm not going to let you go. He said, no, ki Allah Hashachar. Rashi says, because he had to sing Shira. We'll get to that. I'm not going to send you. Ki Barachtani. Unless you give me a bracha. So the question is, you're gonna, would you ask Esau to give you a bracha? It's the star of Esau. It's the bad. It's the Satan. It's the bad guy. Why would Yaakov ask him, I'm not letting you go until you give me a bracha. And what was the bracha? Well, everyone here knows, what was the bracha? They asked the angel for a bracha, and the angel said, what's your name? Yaakov. My bracha to you is, you're changing your name to Yisrael. Imagine a girl came over to me after the shir tonight. She said, Rabbi Wallstein, can you please give me a bracha? I need a bracha. Okay, what's your name? Yehudis. My bracha to you is Yehudis, that your name should no longer be Yehudis, it should be Rachel. Hello, Rabbi Wallstein, thank you very much. What kind of bracha is that? You just changed my name, you didn't give me a bracha. So how do we understand this in the Chumash? He, a- he asked the Malach for a bracha, and he didn't give him a bracha, he just changed his name. That's not a bracha. And then, at the end of the story, he says, okay, you gave me a new name, now I want to know what your name is. And the Malach says, what are you asking my name for? And then Yaakov lets him go. What do you mean? I asked your name, you didn't tell me. It's like, you're fighting with someone. I'm not letting you go until you tell me your name. What's your name? What do you need to know my name for? Okay, thank you, bye. You didn't tell me your name. What's going on in this whole... What's a sikhsik? What's going on here? What's really going on here? So, Rav Shimshim Pinkis, and I've heard this also from other people, explains that this whole fight that they had here was not a physical fight. It was a spiritual fight. Now, the Satan came to Yaakov Avinu, Girls, when you're alone, when you're alone, and you're not surrounded by people, and you're thinking by yourself, and you're alone, and you have questions. You have questions. Why this and why that? Why bad things happen to good people? Good things happen to bad people? And all the questions you have in life. Why did I get stuck in this position and this and this? Why, am I, why did I lose all my money? All the questions that you have when you're by yourself, what happens? That's when the Satan shows up. When he eats a toilet by himself, the Satan doesn't leave him by himself. That's when he shows up. So, but your ave, what is the avak? The avak is that the satan never fights you straight up. He never fights you straight up. Why? Because he understands that a Jewish girl, and I've said this many times, if someone's going to walk up to you and say, you know, let's do an avera, you can say, get out of here. So he understands that the best way to fight a person and take them down is to throw dust in their eyes. I'm a Muncie boy. Didn't really fight that much when I lived in Muncie. But when I came to learn in Yeshiva Samir on Avenue R in Ocean Parkway, so the off the derech boys, us, we were off the derech. What did it mean off the derech in Mir Yeshiva? It meant that when a guy would walk in and say that there's a fight outside, there's a certain group of guys that would leave the base of and go fight the Italians. So I was one of those off the derech boys. Was always looking for a good fight. So there were many times that we had, they threw eggs at the Yeshiva and they threw stones at the Yeshiva. So they used to say, fight, and a bunch of guys would run out. 
So we, the guy, I'm Muncie guy, I don't really know how to fight unless I have a hockey stick in my hand. So the guy said to me, listen, if you ever get caught with an Italian who's bigger than you and he's going to kill you, pick up some dirt from the floor, pick up some ground in front of me and she with those grass. Did you pull it out, get the, and throw the dirt in his face. If you throw the dirt in his face, he can't see. If he can't see, you can either run or punch him. It's part of street fighting is throwing dirt into the guy's eyes. Because you can't see clearly. When you can't see clearly, you're very vulnerable. Your biggest vulnerability is when you can't see straight, when you can't see clear. So the Satan knows this. So the Satan came to fight Yaakov. The word that he uses is He said, Yaakov, you, I'm not going to beat you straight up. But if I can, if I can mix you up, if I could take away your clarity, then I can beat you. So they fought a whole night. And he realized that Yaakov was an ish sholem, ish tamim. Yaakov saw he was a straight guy. And all the shtick that he tried to make didn't work. So he said, I can't beat you, but I can beat the girls and boys of the year 5,770. So when he hit him in the groin, the groin represents, it's all representation. The whole fight is not a physical fight, it's a spiritual. When he hit him in the groin, that represents children. The groin represents having children. So the Satan said, Yaakov, I can't get you, but I can get your kids. In the year 5,770, those kids I'm going to be able to get, and he dislocated it. He dislocated it. He said, I'm going to take your children off the derech. A dislocation means separating something that's supposed to be connected and disconnecting it. This week's Pasha talked about today all the kids that are off the derech. The Satan was successful. He dislocated his yerech, his thigh. How? How? So the Pasik says that it was by throwing dust in our eyes. What does that mean? So I told it to the boys last night. He said, when you know what's right and what's wrong, you have clarity. When you don't have clarity, I said, I have the craziest questions have come to Rabbi Wallstein's table in the last five years. Crazy stuff. And, 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 and it's, it, it, you're going to laugh at it, but the persons who asked me this really thought that it was... That it was true. And not only that, we do it, all of us are involved in this too. A girl asked me about three years ago, I got a phone call after a date with a guy, not a very good guy, and he was telling her that he knows a rabbi, that paskin, that you're not over Shemunigia, you didn't go over Shemunigia if you're wearing gloves. <laughs> you're not allowed to touch a boy. And a boy's not allowed to touch a girl, but if you're wearing gloves, you didn't touch the person. So this guy in the car told this girl, that he knows a rabbi that said that if you're wearing gloves, you can do whatever you want. So she called me. Now, I was laughing inside, but I wasn't going to laugh because she was very serious. She went out with this guy who's supposed to supposedly re- represents Torah, and, she, and he's telling her that, Shemini Gia, if you're wearing gloves. So I was like, well, I was like that's, that's the most silly thing that this guy's telling you. There's no such rabbi in the whole world that would ever say such a thing. So what's the story? The story is that he knew that he was going to tell her not to be Shemini Gia. She'd say, I'm, what are you crazy? I'm Shemini Gia. But he came up with an avak. He came up with a dust. Not clarity. A gloves. So you're all laughing, right? You think it's like the funniest story you ever heard. But you go onto Facebook and you go onto internet. So why are you any different than difference in this question? What do I mean by that? You lost the phone? What do I, what do I mean by that? So I'll tell you very simple. I, I, I'm sorry for being so graphic. But I'm graphic. What can I tell you? It's what I do. I told the boys last night. I said, I want to ask you a question, guys. I said, if I told you that the only thing on the internet were rated X pictures, filthy pornography, on that's all you can see on the internet. I said, I'm hoping that most of the guys in this room 
wouldn't go on the internet. Maybe one or two, but most of you guys wouldn't go on the internet. I'm going to go watch rated X pornography. I'm a yeshiva guy. But, what did the Satan do? He created an internet that has yeshiva world. It's called yeshiva world. That's what it's called. Bus is nice. And yeshiva world. It says yeshiva. And there's so many good things on the internet. So you go onto the internet for the good things and then you get an IM and an AM, I don't even know the words, and a UM and an EM or whatever that comes with a Zach, with a connection, with a thing that flies with it together and all of a sudden you open it up and it's from a boy and it has pictures and all of a sudden you're on this, you could be on the same rated X pornography pictures that you would never ever start going into the internet for, ever. So what did he do? He did what this girl did. He did what this guy told the girl, put gloves on. The, the thing that I said that you laughed at, put gloves on. When you go on the internet, right, to see the good things, and then you end up in the bad things, you put a pair of gloves on. You're just as silly as, as, as what this boy was telling this girl. There's no difference. What's the difference? Your head is crazy. This guy's crazy. He's not crazy. He threw dust in your eyes. You don't see clearly that it's a danger. Well, see, stop talking about the internet so much. It has so much good. Facebook, you, you're crazy. You talk about Facebook. It has so much good. Of course it has good. Of course it has good. It always has good. That's what he said to Yaakov. I'm going to dislocate you. Pay off, guy. Not with Aveiris straight up. With dust. Your children in the year 5,770 are not going to be able to see the Toma. They're not going to be able to have clarity. They're not going to be able to see straight. That's the godless of the Satan. He said, Yaakov, you I can't get. But your children I'm going to get. All that stuff, the good stuff, that's the dust. That's what takes the clarity away. The same thing with the cell phones. I want to tell you something. I went to a girl's school, very, very religious girl's school. And they wanted me to talk about um, cell phones. They wanted to start a thing about giving up, a girl should give up their cell phones for a week to show that they don't have to have it. There were 170 girls in that room. 120 girls gave up their cell phones. And the school told me that the other 50 don't have cell phones. So you have the koyach. You have the question. Yes, I spoke in Arnava on cell phones, and I was screaming and yelling. It was a year ago, and I got one cell phone. I said, I want your phones for a week till next week's share. I got one cell phone. And then the girl, half an hour later, came over to me and said, well, I don't want you to think I'm a tzedekista, but I have two. That's why I gave you one. <laughs> cell phone's good. I got to call my mother. You call your mother? According to the minutes on your cell phone bill, you ain't calling your mother. Unless you're calling your mother 14,000 text messages a day, right? You're not calling your mother. But how does it start? It starts that we give our kid at 14, here's a phone when you get on the bus. I want to make sure you're safe. But that's not where it stays. It doesn't stay daughter calling mother, mother calling daughter. All of a sudden, she's using 25 hours a day, even though there's only 24 somehow. She's using 25 hours a day. She has unlimited, and I'm the queen. I do 4,000 text messages a week. So look at yourself and say, I started with my cell phone. To talk to my mother, she shouldn't be worried when I'm on the bus. And now I'm doing 4,000 text messages. That's Ha'efko. That's, that's the dust. That's the dust. People can get up and say, listen, so I'm not going to marry such a religious guy, but I want to have children. I'm here in the world. I'm a woman. I want to have children. That's the dust. He's not religious. He's not going to keep Shabbos. You can't marry him. But I want to have children, and I'm getting older. That's the Ha'efko. Akash Bochul runs the world. Akash Bochul says No. You can't do that. This is where he won. 
This is this is the ace of this is his koyach. His koyach is not coming straight at you. His koyach is throwing that dust in your face. When you when you don't know when you're doing things that are wrong that are that that, that you think are right. When you're doing things that are right that are totally wrong, you don't even know what you're doing anymore. We don't know the difference between wrong and right anymore. We really don't. Nobody knows the difference between wrong and right. On the car, I had this today. One of my girls in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guys are brilliant. Ever since she met this guy. They're doing every avera you can imagine in this together. But ever since she met him, he's clean on, he's clean off drugs. And he said if she leaves him, he's going to go back to drugs. So she's being moist and nefesh to keep him alive. So she's doing every avera in the world with him. You see what you have to, you have? She said, what do you mean? It says, pekuch nefesh, you have to, you can be oiver and avera, pekuch nefesh, you can be mechal shabbos. Pekuch nefesh. So I'm doing things with him, but I'm keeping him alive. I'm like, this guy's like, he's so smart. This is the game. This is the game. So he didn't come to tell her, let's do an Avera. He said, you're keeping me alive by doing an Avera. This is the power of the Satan. This is the fog. This is the dust. This is the dirt in all our eyes. And he said, I'm going to dislocate. So Yaakov said to the Malach, you, you're dislocating my, and you're not, I need a bracha from you. I need you to straighten out what you, what you want to do. So what did the Malach say? The Malach said, I'm going to give you a bracha that you should have a name, Yisrael. How's that a bracha? Like I asked you giving a name. How's that a bracha? And the answer is, what does Yisrael stand for? Yashar Kel. My bracha to you, Yaakov, is that I'm fighting you to throw dust in your face. You want, you make, you're not going to let me go unless I give you a bracha? So I'm going to give you the anti-bracha. I'm going to give you the anti The bracha is, Yashar Kel, you should always be straight with Hashem. You should always be able to see straight. You shouldn't be in a fog. That was his answer to Yaakov Avinu. And then when Yaakov Avinu asked him, what's your name? He said, my name, Lama Zatishal Lishmi. Why are you asking my name? No, it's not the way you say it. Lama Tishal Shmi. Why ask questions? That's my name. He answered the question. He didn't say, why are you asking my name? He said, Lama Tishal. Why ask questions? Party! Enjoy life! What am I here for anyway? Shmi, that's my name. Satan said. Don't ask any questions. Don't try to figure out what you're here for. Don't try to figure out who created the world. Don't try to figure out what's your tachlis in life. Don't ask any questions. It's party time. Life's about partying. Lishmi, that's my name, said the Satan. Yaakov said, now I know who you are. Goodbye. Get out of here. That's one terrorist. Another terrorist is Lama Zatishal Lishmi, is that the Satan doesn't have a name. Today he's here. He's, a, he's the internet. When I was growing up, he was rock and roll, drugs. He has different names. Because everything he does, a Malach, everything he does has a different name. So he has different names all the time. So Yaakov won the war, but his children didn't. We're in that. So he gave us a bracha that we should be able to see straight. We should be able to have clarity. So I'm going to tell you a story, which I told last year, I think. I think that answers all my questions, right? I think I answered all my questions. Yeah. Let's take a kafiagla. That's the answer to the Sutton. Yeah, okay. So I want to tell you a story, very cute. It's not so cute, but it's pretty cute. Um, about clarity. And then I'll let you go after yelling at you about not helping me out. I wasn't really talking to anyone in this room, that's the truth, because I know you're all going to help us out. Clarity. It's also clarity when it comes to doing chesed. <laughs> if your grandmother needs you, don't help out Ornava. You know, it's another thing that people run around, they do chesed for organizations, and their grandmother, nobody gives it to each, they don't say hello to her, they don't go to visit her, it's their own grandmother. You know, charity begins at home, it's very true. And that's the last thing that we see, because we don't have clarity. We think we're doing all these mitzvahs. Meanwhile, our parents, we have a mitzvah, I say, kibbutz of aim, right? And to, and to, and to be, and to fear, no, that we don't, we don't help our parents with nothing. That, I'm, I'm, where are you going? I'm going to, um, help this organization, but I need you at home. Ma, come on, you know this organization, they need help. That's the dust. That's the not understanding. That's the lack of clarity. Your mother, you have a dinner of chesed and kibbutz aim. 
When you go to when you go to help a, a, an organization, you have chesed. You don't have kivur of aim. Lamani yirichin yemecha. One of the sefers of Dibrois. So many things we just don't we don't see clearly. We just we just make bad decisions because we don't sit down and we don't we're not yosha kale. If you're not yosha kale, then you can vote yes on gay marriages. Because Nebuch, they were born that way. All excuses. Let people live. You know, let live, live, let live. All the things that the liberals say. If you're not Yosha Kale, yeah, you'll be up there voting for it. You have to be Yosha Kale. Shem says it's a Ta'eva, it's a Ta'eva. There's no dust. What are they going to throw at you? There's no dust. It's a Ta'eva, it's a Ta'eva. We have to learn that. We have to learn that. If you can't be on the internet, because you know that you're on the internet, you're going to look at something that you're not supposed to. You're not allowed to be on the internet. Even if you're on Torah anytime. And you're watching my shear. If after my shear, you're going to go to some chat room and talk to boys, you're not allowed to be there. You're not allowed to be there. I would rather you don't watch my shear. Don't watch my shear. Because you're going to get less from my shear than you're going to get from the bad place that you're going. Much less. A person has to have clarity. It's the biggest bracha that a human being can have is that he should have clarity. So I'm going to tell you a story about the lack of clarity. So there's this prince. I think I told this here last year. There was a prince... And he was very close to his father. And it was time for him to go see the world. The, the king said, you know, I want you to see the world because you're going to be the next king. And he always talked, the king always talked about this kid. And he always was a big shot on my kid. He's brilliant. He's at Snua. He's very modest. He's quiet. He's a very, very good boy. And he used to tell everyone about this. So one day, the boy's 19 years old. He says to him, listen, you can't be the next king if you don't know what's going on in the kingdom. I want you to go out for the next year. And I want you to go to all the other kingdoms and learn from what they do. But I'm asking you one thing. The princes and the nobles, they like to gamble. They like to play cards. They like to bet on horses. I'm begging you, no matter what, no matter what kingdom you go to, you are not to gamble. The boy looks at his father and he says, Dad, I'm not a gambler. Of course I'm not going to gamble. I would never think of gambling. It's not something I would do. You don't have to worry about it. For a whole year... The boy travels and he goes and he goes from one kingdom to the other and they send an invitation that he's coming and they have the big room set up and everybody comes and they give him COVID because he's the prince and everything is going great. He comes to the last week of the year and he comes to the country that is bordering his country because he's only a week away. And he sends a letter that he's coming and they have a big banquet, 2,000 people at the banquet. The prince is coming. And he walks into the room, everybody stands up and at the top of the stage is sitting the king of that country with a seat empty next to him. So, of course, the prince thinks that the seat next to him, next to the king, is for him. So he goes walking up, and the king gets up of that country, looks at this boy and says, You! You're an imposter! You're not the prince! I know who you are! You're a slave that works in my castle in the kitchen! This boy looks at the king. What are you, Meshuggah? You're out of your mind? I'm the prince. What are you talking about? The king says, you're not sitting in that chair. I know who you are. You are a stable boy. You are a slave. You work in my kitchen. And you're an imposter. If you don't get out of here right now, we're going to hang you. We are waiting for the prince. He says, what are you talking about? He says, I'm going to go tell my father. You crazy? You know who I am? How, and all the people are standing there like beyond themselves. Like, what's going on over here? He's not letting the guy sit. So the king turns to the boy, the prince, who he's calling a slave. And he says, I'll prove it to everyone in this room that I'm right. And that you are not a prince. And that you are a slave in my kitchen. He says, I've seen you working, cleaning the floors of my kitchen in shorts. 
and you have a big brown birthmark on your left thigh. And I've seen it, and I know it's there. He says, "Are you? what are you talking about? Birthmarks, what are you talking about? The king says, I'll bet $100,000 in gold that you have that birthmark, and you are not the prince. So now everybody's looking. Let's see what he does. And he says to himself, oh my goodness, my father said that I'm not allowed to bet. What am I going to do now? But if I don't, if I don't prove it to everyone, they're going to throw me out of here on my head. Then he says to himself, one second, this is not a bet. A bet is when it's 50-50. I know who I am. I know I have no birthmark on my fly. I know this guy's nuts. It's out of his mind. The $100,000 gold is going to be mine. It's not a bet. It's not a wager. So this is not a bet. This is not what my father was talking about. My father was talking about playing cards and betting. Not a sure win. He says, you got a deal. You got a deal. I will prove to everyone in this room that I am not a slave, but I am the prince. And he drops his pants in front of everyone. He says, here, look, everyone. Look at my thigh. Anybody here see a birthmark? And the king says, oh, my goodness. I can't believe I did this. What a mistake. Please put your pants back up. Please forgive me. He starts bowing down to the prince. Don't tell your father what happened. Don't tell your father that I made such a big mistake. I can't believe I did this. Please forgive me. Uh, I'm going to be in so much trouble for doing this. I, 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 you really look exactly like the boy in my kitchen. I made a major mistake. Boy says, okay, I forgive you. Don't worry about it. Give me the money. He takes the money. He says, forget about it. You made a mistake. It's all right. Nope. Fine. He comes home. And he tells his father, I had a fantastic trip. Everything was great. Everything was amazing. But there was one crazy king. The last king that I went to visit that was mamish next door to our kingdom, the man is out of his bananas. He's crazy. So what are you talking about? So I come in there, there's 2,000, and I'm supposed to sit down. And he says that I'm a slave with a birthmark. Meshuggah. Father says, and what happened? So he takes out $100,000 in gold. And he says he's going to make me a bet that I have a birthmark and that I'm a slave. And Tati says, Dad, you know, this is not a bet. It's not a wager. Because I knew for sure I didn't have a birthmark. So the father says, so, so, so what'd you do? You took the money? He goes, of course I took the money. He says, what else did you do? He says, I dropped my pants. So you dropped your pants? He says, I can't believe you dropped your pants. You know what? Now we are slaves to this king. The boy says, what? What are you talking about? He says, for 20 years we've been fighting back and forth. I'm losing men. He's losing men. I'm losing men. Who's, who's going to have whose kingdom? So, so one day I was talking about you and telling, telling him, this other king, what a great guy you are and what a great son I have and that I should be the king because my son is going to be the next king and he's brilliant and he's fantastic and he's unbelievable. And the other guy said, yeah, you think your, king's so, your, your kid's so great? I'll bet you the kingdom. Let's stop fighting. I'll bet you the kingdom that I can get your great son to take his pants off in front of 20,000 people. And the king said, you got a deal. My son would never take his pants off in front of 20,000 people. That's what you want to bet on the kingdom? You got it. It's, it's, a, no, it's a no-brainer. I got your kingdom. He said to his son, now you lost everything. By pulling, by dropping your pants, he won. And now we're his slaves. And the, and the $100,000 that you got belongs to him. Mashakana Evet, Kana Whatever the servant owns, the master owns. You lost everything. He says, I don't understand. I told you not to wager. Why would you bet him $100,000? He said, but dad, it wasn't a wager. I knew I was going to win. He said, it was a wager. Whether you know you're going to win or not, it's still called a wager. I told you not to wager. He says how, how brilliant this other king was. And they lost their whole kingdom. They lost everything. Because this boy wasn't Yosha. 
he said he wasn't going to bet. And you don't bet no matter what the Yetzirah comes up with. No matter what kind of trick the Yetzirah comes up with. If you have clarity and there's no dust in your eyes and you can see straight, then you don't wager and you wouldn't have lost the whole kingdom. Now you lost the whole kingdom. It's an amazing story. And the reason the story is said is because we all do this all the time. The Torah says you can't do this. And the Torah says you can't do this. And the Torah says you can do this. And you can't do this. And then you go because you want to do something wrong and you twist it. And you say, that's not what Hashem meant. That's not really what the Pusik says. Who said that's what sneers? Who said that's what's that? And you change everything and end up becoming the Eved of who? Of the Malach of Esau. Because you weren't Yasha. Because you didn't go straight. You, didn't, you weren't straight. You twisted the Torah to fit into what you need. And in the end, you come up to Shemaim after 120 years, and you think you're a big Tzadikist, and you think you did the best thing in the world, and you find out, oh my goodness, you're sold out, you lost the whole kingdom, you lost everything, because you weren't straight, because you took the Torah, and you threw stuff in your eyes, and you said, I'm going on the internet because it's good stuff, and I'm going on Facebook because it's good stuff, and I'm marrying this guy, yeah, because I have to have children, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and it's all reasons and excuses, but it's not the truth. It's not Yasha. And that's why we're called B'nai Yisrael, not B'nai Yaakov. B'nai Yisrael. This nation has to be B'nai Yasha Kale. We have to be children who see straight, who are yasha, who see what God wants, and we don't differ, we don't go off to the side, we stay straight, and we don't make excuses. That's the kayak of the Yet Sahara. And it says that in Mitzah Hashem, when the sun, when the moon, when the star comes up, the morning star comes up, that's when Yaakov was healed. And the morning star resemble, is, is called Mashiach. The morning star, the Aloysa Shachar is Mashiach. So my bracha to everyone here is that you should talk to be a Yisrael. Abbas Yisrael means the daughter of Yasha Kale, the daughter of a person who's able to see straight to God. That's what happened here. The dust, says the Zayar, went to the Kisei Akavod, and the dust was all over the Kisei Akavod, because there was no clarity. So the bracha to everyone in this room is that you should be Abbas Yisrael, you should be able to be the daughter of Yisrael, somebody who's able to see clarity. And if something's wrong, it's wrong. And don't try to make it right, because in the end you're going to lose everything. Hatzlach and bracha. You should have a good week. And we should all have this chutz to see the morning star come. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.